Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attacked those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we've got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it fast for us, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Welcome. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. My name is David Baker, and we're glad that you're here. Thank you for uh, listening. Last week, we started on a series we're going to do more on, on Calvinism, and we gave an overview of why we disagree with all five points of Calvinism. If you missed that, go back and get that. I think that would be a great help to you. Um, next week, we will go back into that. We'll be going into verse, into uh, point one, okay, total depravity, depravity. You can say it either way, but um, uh, we're going to go into that and deep into all of what they say, okay? Um, but uh, I wanted to take a, a brief um, break from that and talk about, you saw the topic, easy believism or empty believism. Easy believism or empty believism. And um, it's out there, you see it, sometimes you just shake your head like, what? I just saw this empty believism. And it's been around for a long time on easy believism. Um, that's been a criticism forever. And you try to push back through that and try to understand sound doctrine, understand what verses uh, truly mean and how people try to take them and twist them to mean something that they don't. And logically, biblically, in context, they can't mean that. Um, easy believism is never never found in the Bible. Uh, three times New Testament easy is used. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, Jesus said. Uh, he talked about in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, talking about tongues, words easy to be understood. And then he talked about wisdom in James 3. Um, the wisdom is from above is easy to be entreated. Okay. So those times there, easy believism is not mentioned in the Bible. And in fact, I think the opposite of that is how hard is it to believe? on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we're sinners. Got it. We deserve hell. That's what the Bible says. Jesus loved us. God gave his only son, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died, buried, rose again to pay for all of our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God in him. Would you then accept, believe on Jesus Christ to save you? 
They did. Look at the examples in the Bible of people that got saved. I would love for people that believe this to go through the Bible. Sometimes they say, oh, unless you've met with them for weeks and months and built a foundation, and unless you've gone and brought them all the way. No, people got saved right there on the spot. And usually in not a very long time. Go and look at that. Um, look at the Philippian jailer, okay, where he said, the question, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thy house. Uh, and he did. And he got saved. How hard is that? How in the world do we say, oh, we preach against easy believism when in the Bible it is very easy to believe? Very easy. So easy that even a child can believe it. A child can understand. We'll talk about this more later, but um, Mark nine forty two, and whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, that believe in me. Here these little ones were saved. They believed in Jesus. <laughs> when we started our church, my son was three. So he was my sewing partner. And he had seen me lead dozens, if not hundreds of people of Christ. He knew all the verses. He had to memorize. He knew he was a sinner. We'd ask him what it was. He goes, yeah, I have my sister. And, uh, and he knew he was a sinner. And he goes, Dad, when can I get saved? Dad, when can I get saved? He's three. <laughs> Dad, when can I get saved? <laughs> Convicted, understand sin, has all the verses memorized. We pushed him off till he was four. Never heard of anyone three getting saved. It just sounds too crazy. And he trusted Christ as a savior. It was easy. He understood it. He was convicted. My son-in-law, who's a pastor now, uh, got saved at three and remembers all the details, everything about it. It's a little one that believes. In fact, so much so um, that a little one, the Bible says in Matthew 18, uh, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. When the Bible talks about it's hard, okay, who is it hard for them to go to heaven? Who is it hard for them to go to heaven? The Bible says the what? The rich man. It's hard for him. Why? Because he's proud. He's trusting in himself. He's trusting in his works. I'm good. I'm respected. Um, I do good things. I've got money. Surely I would go to heaven. And he said it's hard for them to go to heaven because they want to trust in their uncertain riches. They want to trust in themselves and their pride and who they are and what they've done. It is hard for a person like that to humble themselves as a little child to understand I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Jesus died to save me. Would you accept him as your savior, the only one to take you to heaven? Yes. Okay. How easy is that? How easy is that? So what is it that they say? What they do, the same thing with easy believism, and they go into saying the same thing at empty believism, is um, they are trying to say that um, you just have a head knowledge, not a heart knowledge, okay? And let me give you this. Please understand. If someone believes that Jesus would save them, but never has accepted, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to save them, then they're not saved, okay? I will give you that, totally understand, okay? If that's your head knowledge and heart knowledge, yes, I know Jesus died to pay for my sins, but I do not want to accept him to save me. Um, I'll do it myself. I'll pay my own way. I think I'm good enough. However it is, if they have a head knowledge, he would save them, but did not accept that uh, Jesus as their savior, then yes, they're not saved. But that's not what they're saying, okay? Um, and it's amazing the verse they use to justify this. So this brought it up when I saw a quote about so-called, quote, empty believism, okay? And, um, and here's what it said. By the way, big slam on preachers too. Empty believism continues because too many preachers prefer fake converts over few converts. There's so much unbiblical in that. Who in the world, what preacher wants fake converts? <laughs> what a slap. Too many preachers prefer fake converts over few converts. 
And by the way, there are some places where you have few converts. Be a Jeremiah, Noah, where you had no converts. Or Jer- sorry, uh, Noah had his family. Um, there'll be some times where you had no converts. Um, so, but you preach it faithfully, whether they believe it or not. And I'm not going to change what I believe to quote get people saved. It's true and it's real. It's salvation. It's Jesus. But to say that many preachers prefer fake converts. Yeah, I know you're not saved, but I but I'd rather have a fake convert in my church so I can brag about it than someone truly gets saved. I would love to know who you met that believes that. Okay. Now, are there people that aren't clear and, and, uh, that don't, uh, go through it enough? I've had people I've heard go through the plan of salvation. They butchered it so bad. Like, Oh, it wasn't smooth. It wasn't, uh, uh, good. Oh, it was horrible. And they got at the end. Would you like to accept Jesus as your savior? And like, yes, I would. And did they understand it? They understood it. <laughs> it's amazing how God, the Holy Spirit, can take what we say and use it to still convict their heart for their need. Now, are there people who do it wrong and don't explain it? Yes. Okay. I've heard of this one guy, and this is the worst that I ever heard. Never met him, but heard about it. That he um, printed off some paper. I don't know what verse it was, John 3.16 or uh, Acts 16.30, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what verse, but printed off one verse and then got him cut and had these one little verse things. Okay. If you're on video uh, about like this, this is just a little piece of paper and and has it written, typed on there, that verse. And he would go out, he would say, hey, read this. Do you believe it? And they would say, well, yeah, okay, you're saved. And he'd, he'd mark them down. Okay, that's wrong, okay? But to say that's empty believism or or easy believism, uh, no, just say he's not preaching the gospel. He's not preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He's not being clear to make sure they understand that they're sinners and the penalty for sin is hell. He's not making sure of that. Um, when I go through the plan of salvation, I, I go through it four or five times in a row. When the people get done, they can repeat it almost as good as I can because every point I build upon it. After point one and point two, then I go back to point one. After point one, point two, point three, then I go back to point one, point two, point three, and then point four. Make sure they understand that every time, giving an illustration and a verse to make sure they understand that before I even ask them if they want to be saved. All right, quick review, and then I ask them questions. They've got to answer it. Number one, God said we're all what? We're sinners, and we're called we sin. Where do we deserve to go? I deserve hell. We deserve yeah. Who died, buried, and rose again to pay for your sin? Jesus did. Now He says, if we call up on Him and trust Him to save you, we shall be what? saved. Here it is then. You understand it. Would you like to accept, trust Jesus only as your Savior and one to take you to heaven? Yes. Okay. And I understand we're not going to get into the prayerism um, things there. Do you have to pray to be saved? No. Are there people that did pray when they got saved? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Lord, remember me when thou entrest into thy kingdom. Those are examples of a prayers, not a prayer that saves them. I understand that and always tell them that, okay? When they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves, they are saved, okay? To seal it, to start a salvaging of their life, okay? Um, And it's not a fancy set of words. What we're going to do is seal it, call upon the Lord, ask him to save you. You just mean this in your heart. You tell it to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. In the prayer, we go through the plan of salvation again. They've heard it four or five or six times. If they don't get saved, I don't believe I'm going to stand before God to give an account. Why didn't you explain to them? I explained it to them real. If they lied or if they didn't mean it, that's on them. People say, well, you know, I knew from the beginning they weren't even serious and sincere about that. I can't count how many hundreds of times I've witnessed to somebody. And in the beginning, they were not interested. You would witness to them? Absolutely. 
How come? Because when you start getting cut with the sword and you start bleeding, guess what? Now they're serious about it. When you lift up Jesus, the cross, like you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into me. This he said, signifying what death he would die. I've had so many times, point one, they understand they're a sinner, but they're not concerned about it. Okay, they deserve hell, but you know, I'm young. I'm not worried about it. When you get to Jesus dying on the cross and explain what he did, it's amazing how now they're interested. Now they're serious. Now they're real. What happened? If I be lifted up from the earth, he's talking about the cross, I will draw all men unto me. It's amazing how many times they were not interested, but when you get to the cross, now they are. Now God's got them. Now they want to be saved. I'm amazed at people who try to judge people. I don't think they're ready to be saved. I don't think they're their green fruit. That's never, the fields are white already into harvest. Where do you get green fruit from? That's not in the Bible, okay? All our silly, stupid things we make up instead of witnessing and showing people how to go to heaven, it's just garbage. And the same thing with easy believism. So um, anyway, so 73 people shared this thing. I don't know where he got it from if he made it up, but 73 people share that stupid, in my opinion, quote, empty believism. By the way, when I mean, I laugh when I say, did you hear that? Okay. <laughs> so I said it was stupid, but then laughed. Uh, easy believism continues because too many preachers prefer fake converts over few converts. I never, and 73 people shared it. And so um, I couldn't comment on that guy's post at the time. So one person, and by the way, some people didn't share it. He copied it and acted like it was his quote, the guy. And and I, I asked him about it. So what is that? I've never seen that. Um, empty believism. It's like, you know, um, you either believe or you don't. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe on Jesus to save you? You're saved. Have you not believed on Jesus to save you? Then you're not saved. It's like, well, I'm a little bit pregnant. <laughs> no, you're either pregnant or not pregnant. There's no such thing as a little bit pregnant. You either believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, or you did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. It's that simple. And I asked him about that. And here's the verse I use. Well, um, and by the way, the guy that quoted him and the guy that uh, I think it came from said the same thing. Well, the devils also believe and tremble. And boy, I'm going <laughs> to be as kind as I can, okay? But that is so wrong and so out of context and so unbiblical to be able to say that. It is unbelievable that preachers would use that, okay? <laughs> well, the devil believes in trembles. So they're trying to say that the devil believes and he's not saved, um, and so you can't just believe and be saved. Well, there's too many times the Bible says believe, 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 believe. Too many times he said, for God so loved the world, okay, that he gave his own begotten son that whosoever what believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's too many verses that said to believe. And here they're showing that the devil also believes and he's not saved. He's not going to be in heaven. Oh, no. And people get all nervous about that. Please understand, James 2, 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Believing there is one God does not save someone. Do you understand 1.6 billion Muslims believe there's one God? And his name is Allah. Okay, they're not saved. They've not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's the verse that they use. Number one, the devils can't be saved. Okay, there is no salvation for them. Jesus did not die for them. His blood was not shed for them. They can't be saved. They made their choice. They made their decision and they will be in hell for all of eternity. Okay, so to use that with the devils to say that, number one, would be wrong. Number two, they're not saying the devils believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No, the devil believes there's one God, but they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. So to try to use that verse to justify some easy believism or empty believism is wrong is wrong. James 2, I don't have time to go 
and all that today. I believe I have before another podcast, but James, Paul said, we're justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Okay. Romans. James says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Oh no. Do we have a contradiction? No. In the sight of God, God sees our heart by faith. He knows whether we're saved. Men can't see our heart. They have no idea whether we're saved. The only way they have any idea whether we're saved or not is by our works. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified in the sight of men. I'm adding that. And not by faith only. We're justified by faith in the sight of God because he sees our heart. We're justified by works in the sight of men because they can't see our heart. And when it says ye see then how, go look at it. It's talking about Abraham. He was called a friend of God. By who? By the people who saw him take his son to go and sacrifice that man as a friend of God. He was called a friend of God and justified in the sight of men by his works. But we're not justified by our works in the sight of God. God sees our faith. And God said, um, if we didn't do any works at all, Romans 4, that our our faith um, is going to be justified for righteousness, okay? We believed on Jesus Christ and we're saved. And so here's a man that didn't do any works at all. Go read Romans 4, but yet he believed on Jesus Christ to save him and his faith is counted for righteousness, the Bible says. And so to try to use that verse in James 2, and oh no, the devil believes and tremble. Oh, you can't just believe. They're building you into a work salvation. That is wrong, okay? That is wrong. And the big deal, and and I could go on just this for hours because this thought brings in so many false um, false doctrinal things that they use to justify this. So one of the big things they do, they want to look at somebody to see whether they're saved or not. And I'm sorry, you can't do that, and neither can I. Was Lot saved? Absolutely not. Look at his life. <laughs> I mean, drunk, selfish, chose the well-water plains, was a leader in Sodom, and uh, didn't lead anybody to Christ, uh, and took his, only his daughters out, got drunk, had incest with both of them. There's no way that Lot saved. Well, sorry, God said he was. His righteous soul. Could you look at his life and see whether he was saved? Absolutely not. But he trusted Messiah, like Abraham did, and he saved. Now, will he have rewards and uh, crowns in heaven? No, but he believed on Messiah. God said he had a righteous soul. You can't look to see whether someone's saved. Look at the Pharisees. Would they be saved? Wow, holy men, long prayers, gave much, fasted twice a week. I mean, these men are holy. These men are godly. These men follow the law. Surely these men are saved. Nope, they're lost. They're trusting in their works. Some of the best people I know morally are true biblical legalists, okay? And I don't use that term um, often, but use it the right way. I met a man the other day uh, and talked to him, and uh, he said, yeah, I was a legalist. And I'm like, oh, great. He was a, no, and he, he was in a, in a church doctrine that believed you have to hear, believe, confess, repent, be baptized, and live a good life until you die to go to heaven. That's a biblical legalist. He is adding works to salvation to be saved, okay? Um, just because you have a standard does not mean you're a legalist. Everybody has a standard everybody has a standard. Uh, do you let people come to church stark naked? Well, I would never let them. Then you have a standard. It may not be a biblical standard. It may not be a right standard. It may You may have lowered your standards, but you still have a standard. Everyone does. And to call that legalism is stupidity. Again, I'm smiling, okay? Um, everybody has a standard, all right? Biblical legalism is to add works to salvation, and there are people that do that. And what so many of, quote, us want to do is look at somebody and judge whether they're saved or not. 
you can't do that and I can't do that. We can look at their works and say, yeah, I think they're probably saved. Look at their works. But I have no idea whether they're saved or not. They may have never accepted Jesus as their Savior. They may be trying to earn their way to heaven by their works, and they look really good. Okay, they look really good. Uh, Well, the Bible says, if you're a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I've talked about that before, but please look at that and understand it. <laughs> before I was messed up by preachers in that verse, when you look at that and you see what it's talking about, okay? So either it means when we get saved that we don't do anything else because behold, all things are become new, okay? Um, or it means that when I trusted Christ as my Savior, Everything of my past, God forgave me. He wiped it away. He washed it away. And everything has become new. Huh. That's exactly what it means. If not, then how in the world can you judge anybody by that? How can you judge anybody? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Believe it? Absolutely. Old things are passed away. So does that mean all the old bad things they did, they will never do again? Is that really what you believe? All the old things are, well, no, not all of them. Behold, all things are become new. It either means all the old things will not do ever again, and everything now is new, we'll do this right, or it means all my old sins are passed away, and I've got a fresh, clean slate with God. How in the world can it be the other? When this guy tried to justify, and people asked him, so what do you mean by empty believism? And he went into this, and he said, uh, also, um, uh, by the way, he gave an illustration of someone who didn't clearly, in his opinion, go through the plan of salvation, and he didn't think the guy got saved. <laughs> it's amazing. Like I said, I've seen people who didn't, I didn't think they went through it well, but afterwards, I'm going to question the person. Yeah, they understood it. They got it. They believed on Jesus. Um, so to judge that that guy didn't get saved, we don't know. But then he said, anytime he posted anything on Matthew 7.20 or 2 Corinthians 5.17, that's the verse, uh, all things are become new, that people start to give him a hard time about sin. And here's what he ended up with. For the truth Christian, sin is the exception, not the rule. He said, yes, no one's going to be perfect um, and things. And so, uh, but for the true Christian, sin is the exception, not the rule. I'm sorry, where do you see that? Uh, Help me. Let me ask you, before I go through these things, um, how often do you sin? You, say, listen to this podcast, how often do you sin? You say, well, um, I don't know, it's been a few weeks. Well, I haven't sinned since 1900. Uh, <laughs> no, no, by saying that, that's pride uh, and that's a sin. Please understand what the Bible says. Okay, you haven't drank and smoked and cussed. Congratulations. Okay. Um, here, Proverbs uh, 24 9, the thought of foolishness is sin. Hello. How many foolish thoughts have you had today? <laughs> today? <laughs> Well, I I didn't do it. That's not what it says. The thought of foolishness is a sin. The thought of foolishness, it's still a sin. Now, is it as if you thought about hurting the person, is that as bad as hurting the person? No, I don't think it is, but it's still sin. It's still sin. Uh, how How about this, Romans 14, 23, the end of it. For what server is not of faith is sin. How many things do we not do in faith? Hello. God said that's sin. How often do we sin? He said, um, sin uh, to the true Christian, sin is the exception, not the rule. Are you kidding me? What Bible do you have? How about this, James 4, 17? Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. 
Hello. How many things do we know we're supposed to do good that we don't do? Are you kidding me? How many things do we know we're supposed to do good that we don't do? Called the sin of omission. Just by those three things, how many things, how many times have you sinned today? For all have sinned. Guess what we are? We're sinners. Guess what sinners do? We sin. How about this? But I say unto you, that whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. God said that's sin. Um, the best Christian we know, we've ever read about, besides Jesus, of course, is the Apostle Paul. What he went through, what he did, what he lived, what he wrote, what he preached, all that, amazing. So what did Paul say? <laughs> For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, was no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He said in 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, uh, Christ uh, Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's 1 Timothy. That's not like he just got saved and he's working things out. No, <laughs> he's writing books. He's preaching. He's training Timothy of whom I am right now as I stand chief. He called himself chief of sinners. Romans 7, he said, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I am, not I was, I am. He's saved now, but there's still a sin nature. There's still a carnal nature that wants to do wrong. And he said, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. The things he doesn't want to do, he does. The things he wants to do, he doesn't do. Paul's, what's he saying? In verse 24, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? While we are in the flesh, we will sin. And it's not the exception, okay? It's not the exception, it's the norm. How many sins have you committed today by looking at truly what sin is? It's amazing. We put ourselves up on a pedestal. We haven't done the bad things. Oh, I thank thee that I'm not as that guy over here. We're a modern day Pharisee. Instead of saying, like I say, what was me? <laughs> Man, I'm done. The closer you get to Jesus, the more sin you'll realize that we are. Our thoughts are even our righteousness. God said are as filthy rags. The best things that we do, God said, are still as filthy rags. We want to judge people and say, well, that guy's not saved. Look at his life. You can't do that. And we want to say, yeah, easy believism. Why? We want to look at somebody, and here's what we say, and this is the last part I'll go into. You know, where's their fruit? Where's their fruit? Where's their fruit? Please have a brain and think about this. I'm not trying to put you down. I just want to understand this. The fruit of a Christian, what is it? The fruit of a Christian. We lump in and say, oh, the fruit of a Christian, they're going to go to church every Sunday and read the Bible and pray and live right and do good and don't drink and don't, don't cuss and they're going to uh, live for God and they're going to be holy. That's the fruit of a Christian. No, that's not the fruit of a Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's the fruit of the Spirit. When someone gets saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes inside of them, and it starts producing the fruit of the Spirit, which are those things. By the way, some immediately. Some it takes a while because we have to yield to the Spirit and not to the flesh. Amen? Okay? So it takes a while. It's a growing in grace. Uh, there's still a besetting sin and things we're struggling with. So, um, But what happens? Here's a person you witness to him. Hey, do you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven? No, I don't. So according to the Bible, right now, if you die, where would you go? I'd be in hell. Now they trust Christ as their Savior, and you ask him, hey, if you died right now, according to the Bible, where would you go? I'd go to heaven. What is it immediately that they have? The fruit of the Spirit, they've got what? Peace. Wow, if I died now, I'd be in heaven. They start exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace, joy, 
love, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. They start exhibiting those. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And when we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, then it can help us to help people to be saved, which is the fruit of the Christian. An apple tree produces apples. An orange tree produces oranges, okay? Fruit trees produce that same fruit. The fruit of a Christian is a what? It's another Christian. It's another Christian. That's the fruit of a Christian. And when you look at the parable of the uh, sower, that's what it is. The good ground, they bear fruit. What is it? Some uh, some 100, some 60, and some 30. Some people win 100 people to Christ. Some people 60 win to Christ. Some 30. How do you compare that fruit to your what you think the fruit is? Some 100-fold. They go to church 100 times. Some go to church 60 times, some go to church 30. Is that, is that what you're talking about, that fruit? Well, some read their Bible 100 times, some read their Bible 60 times, some read their Bible 30 times. No. The good ground is talking about the fruit of a Christian. Some people want 100 people Christ, some 60, some 30. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. When you look at that parable, the only one that's not saved is the one that heard it, didn't understand it, didn't accept it, and Satan took it away. They never got saved. The other ones, they received it. They believed it, but because of the word, the world, tribulation, persecution, uh, all those things, they did not bring forth fruit to maturity, meaning they didn't keep growing and witnessing to people, but they received the Lord Jesus Christ and they're saved. Now again, will they have rewards in heaven? Will they have the crowns? No, but they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They received that seed, they accepted it, and they grew. They started to grow, but they didn't grow enough to bring forth fruit because the world, he had no root in himself. He didn't have the character, tribulation, persecution arise, um, all those type things. But the one that was good ground is the one that brought forth fruit. And the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. Now, <laughs> if the only people that are saved are the ones that bear fruit, how many, quote, people in your church aren't saved? They never led anyone to Christ. That is not the requirement of being saved. Should we? Absolutely lead people to Christ. Some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. Absolutely we should. Well, the Bible says you shall know them by their fruits. Okay, what's that talking about? Well, you know, a Christian, when they get saved, you should know them by their fruits. Really? Really? Have you read that? Uh, Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them antecedent context, them, false prophets, by their fruits. And then verse 20, wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. Listen, you see a false prophet and you know them by their fruits. Look at their converts. Look at their church. Look at the people that are in there. They're not saved. They're not trusting Christ. They're carnal. They're sensual. They're this or that. Okay. I'm judging that preacher by the people that are in his church, his fruits. Been, and I don't believe he's right because they're not right. That's the context of that. It's amazing how we take that and we put in our arbitrary rules. Oh, he doesn't dress right. He's not saved. He doesn't come to church faithfully. He's not saved. He doesn't read his Bible. He's not saved. He's still smoking. He's not saved. That guy still drank. He's not saved. And we put in our arbitrary terms of all these people, but yet you can find people in the Bible who are saved who did all those things. So what do you do with that? It's just wrong. If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not empty or easy, uh, some cool fake easy believism, you're saved. If you're pregnant, you're pregnant. 
If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved, okay? So stop trying to confuse people, empty believism, easy believism, questioning whether this person got saved because of his life, this person got saved. Again, I've heard people go through the plan of salvation like, wow, they did a horrible job. And then I talked to the person afterwards, they understood it. The Holy Spirit did the job. They planted, they watered, God gave the increase. Uh, have I ever witnessed somebody that didn't get saved? Probably. I don't know. I can't see their heart. I know I did the best I could in the time I had to give them a clear presentation of the gospel. Okay, they didn't get saved. Then I planted. Okay, they didn't get saved. Then I watered. Oh, wow, they did get saved. Okay, God brought the increase. God brought the increase. Um, again, I have no idea. Neither do you. The people that you talk to that got saved. Well, I'll tell the story. I went to Sony one day and one man invited him in. Come on in, preacher. Oh, we've been looking forward to hearing this. Yes, accept it. Got so excited. Tears, hugs. Thank you. I'll be in church tomorrow. Oh, great. He was so excited. Next door. Come in. Have a seat. Go ahead and tell me. Yes, yes, yes. Bow his head. Trust Christ as Savior. Thanks. Got up. Walked him out. <laughs> Brother Al's story. He said, man, that guy didn't get it. <laughs> and he just said that to get rid of me. Oh, which one came to church the next day? <laughs> the one with a dry personality. And guess which one uh, became a Sunday school teacher and a soul owner and a deacon? That one. Guess which one never showed up for church? <laughs> the one you judge. Oh, man, that guy really got it. You have no idea, and I don't know. And by the way, did the guy that teared and excited, could he have gotten saved? Yes, but he might have had no character in himself to get up, no root in himself. That's what the Bible said. He may have trusted Christ as Savior. He may be in heaven today, but doesn't have the rewards because he didn't bring forth fruit of a Christian, which is other Christians. All right, there you go. Uh, what do you think? You can email me, the fundamental Baptist podcast at gmail.com. Sound doctrine, okay? Sound doctrine. If you believe 2 Corinthians 5.17 means that when you get saved, you're not going to do the old things anymore. You're going to do all the new things. I would love to hang around with you for a day or a week and point out all the things that are not new in your life. So that verse doesn't mean that because you are not all things that become new. You still get mad. You got a temper. Uh, you get mad when somebody cuts you off driving. That's old. That's old nature, man. Oh, no, man, you're saved. You, you should. It's peace, joy, love, gentleness, goodness, meekness. Go ahead. Yeah, you can go. Oh, no problem if you cut me off. I'm sure you probably didn't see me. God bless you. Have a good day. <laughs> Is that the way you are? Or do you still have that, some of that old nature, some of that impatience, that non-temperance that's still working out in you? Okay. Do not judge people whether they're saved or not. We do our best to give them a clear presentation of the gospel. I understand we want people to live right. We want them to live holy. But to change doctrine and say, if you don't live right and you don't live holy, you're not saved, um, is to judge their salvation. And you can't do that and I can't do that. You have no idea that. When I was saved, eight, almost nine years old, knew it, knew I was a sinner, trusted Christ as my Savior, never doubted it. We had a uh, bad, if you've heard the podcast, we had a bad church, bad uh, pastor. Um, and um, our youth director bought alcohol, brought it to the church, gave it to the teenagers at our youth activity. Yes, Baptist church. And I got way far away from God and then living in the world. And I had people say, oh, he's not saved, look at his life. He's not saved, look at his life. <laughs> Guess what I knew? Number one, I knew I believed on Jesus to save me. I knew I'm saved. And guess what? I had proof of that because God's spanking me all the time. What does God do with children? Okay, he chastised them. Well, I didn't see the chastisement. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Many times a good parent, a good father will pull them away privately and discipline them in private. Sometimes it's public. 
sometimes private, you have no idea whether they're saved or not, or if God's spanking them just because you didn't see it. What a judge we become of other salvation. No, that's not our job. If we spend time witnessing to people and truly trying to show them how to go to heaven instead of trying to judge the people we don't think are saved and writing about it, there would sure be a lot more people that are saved. All right, hope that helps. Empty believism, garbage. You either believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or you don't. And the child that believes in him, that's where we need to become. We need to become as a little child, the Bible says. We want children to have an adult-like uh, experience. No, adults need to have a childlike experience by faith, accepting Jesus as their Savior. All right, God bless. Thanks for hanging around and listening. If you got a question, let me know, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com.